Hey guys. Right, right from the rapper. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I've been out for about an hour. So, saw my kid off to school, but I'm pretty tired from yesterday, so I'm just taking it easy today. Elliot Friedman joining us here, episode eight, and uh, let's just get right into it. I mean, you've been busy. Is this not the busiest week you've maybe had in your entire professional career with all the news? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I would say that, uh, first of all, we should be interviewing you because you're the big scoop breaker here. And secondly, uh, you know what the best thing about was yesterday? The best thing about yesterday was it reminded me of life before COVID. Drive down to Buffalo on the Wednesday night. You get up in the morning, the big news breaks, and then you go to someone and meet them face-to-face and you have a conversation with them face-to-face. That, to me, was the best thing about it, that it reminded me of what life was like before all this shit happened, really. Interesting you should say that. Riv, you look like you're ready to ask a question, but no. I, I, guess, I guess the first thing I'll ask you, and I, I'm glad you said that, how did you end up in Buffalo Wednesday? I mean, you sit here and say, we should be interviewing you for the scoop, but you obviously knew what was going on. I didn't know, like, I, like yes and no. Um, so Eichel had decided he was going to talk on Thursday, whether he was traded or not. I think he just reached a point where he was fed up and he wanted to get his side of the story out there. So we were in, I, I, I went to Buffalo you know, I waited till rush hour was over in Toronto. I drove to Buffalo on, on Wednesday night. Uh, I, you know, I, I set my alarm for 7.30. I probably should have said it for 7.15. I'm not an early riser in general. And, um, you know, when I woke up, I saw a text that was, it said 3.05 a.m. You better get working because it's going to be Vegas. And, uh, you know, then you're not long after, you know, I I got a confirmation you've been traded to Vegas. And it wasn't until after that I, I realized that you'd already tweeted it out. And it was just, you know, it was a wild, insane day. When I, when I saw Eichel, he had 224 unanswered text messages. And I didn't get that many because not as many people like me. But, you know, last night when I got home and got to bed and woke up this morning, I realized, oof, I've got some work to do to return all the messages I got yesterday too. How how were his Jack's, text messages? Uh, yeah, how was Jack's uh, demeanor? Like he, he uh, was you know, happy. He was, you know, he's he's happy. It's like there's like a lot of weight know, off his shoulders. Yes, like Craig, there's there's scar tissue there. Like don't don't kid yourselves. He's I don't know if you saw the interview, but I had a few people text me about his one answer about you know how do you feel about Buffalo, how they handled this, and. He said, I'm not going to answer that, but the question would be a lot different if I wasn't traded this morning. Um, you know, I, I think he was ready to go. And, um, you know, I thought it was really interesting. It, it's very obvious, Craig, that this was a very personal thing between the Pagulas and Eichel. He went out of his way to, to credit Kevin Adams for not only getting him traded, but also the way that he handled the process and, um, and also, too, you remember, now we know that it's true that Eichel asked for a trade uh, prior to the bubble playoffs, and he still credited Adams for trying to go out and get Taylor Hall and making the team better. So yeah. it, it's very clear where the, the issues are here and where the hard feelings are here on both sides. So the issues you, you, you believe, and I, I think that Jack is maybe not, hasn't come out and expressed it, but it was with the Pagulas. Yes, yeah, there's no question about that. Hmm. He also said he requested a trade last year. 
No, you know what? It was, um, he requested, did I, mis did I misinterpret that? He, um, he, he requested the trade. I, I, I'll just set the timeline in case anyone's confused. I, I haven't watched the full interview yet, but he requested a trade and he said to me, and I, it's in the written piece that I, I did with it. He requested a trade after Jason Botterill was fired. And, and, and what it was, as he said, was he was under the impression that the team was going to, he'd say he wouldn't call it a rebuild, but you know, wasn't going to try to necessarily win right away. And he said that, he wasn't ready for that. He wanted to win, you know, and he said, look, like we didn't win. He didn't, he didn't say it was anyone else's fault. We didn't win. He said, I he basically said, I'm as much as like, I was there too. We didn't win together. Yeah. And uh, he just said that at that point in time, he wasn't ready for a rebuild or anything slow. And if they wanted to trade him for picks and prospects that he was fine with that. So the trade request was, uh, in the summer of 2020 as we were doing the bubble playoffs or around that time. I just, I just listened to that and, and, you know, like I, I, as, as a hockey player, you, you, you need to realize that your, your playing career is short. It, it, yeah. it, it goes, you know, by the snap of finger. It feels like you work your, your whole young young life and, and young adult life to to get to the final destination which is to play in the nhl someday mm -hmm. and you know to be to be on a a team that just has not been able to figure out managerial wise how to make the team stronger and you have this elite player that wants to play in the playoffs he wants to win games and at what what point is the breaking point we reached it you know, and, and you guys can answer that better than I can because you guys played, right? So Eichel, like, how many years was that? It was five years? Uh, yeah, six. 16. Well, no, but when he asked for the trade, 16, 17, eight, five, five yeah. years. Is that, like, you guys tell me, if, if you've been losing for five years and haven't made the playoffs for five years, are, is it okay for you to do that? Now, recognizing that he's the captain and he's the star player and, and he didn't, he didn't blame anyone else. Like he didn't say it was this person's fault. We didn't win. He, he lumped himself in there with everybody else. Is it acceptable as former players for him to say after five years, maybe it's my time. I got, well, I, again, Elliot, I mean, I, lo I love that you, you know, pass that along to us, but even I can't even speak to that because after five years of, of being on a losing team, I'm a guy that's just happy to still be in the league. Right. So mm. a guy like Craig might be better suited to answer that because, well, because I, I don't, I, I can't answer that from that. I can understand. I can appreciate where he's coming from though. Like how can we Yeah. Not? But I think it's, he's not talking about you, you know, being in an environment where you could be out of the league the next year. It's about how about being on a team where the environment that has been built has not been positive that you're losing games each and every night. You're one of the worst teams in the league every single year and it, it's not just on jack it's not just on sam reinhardt it's not on those players that were drafted high previous years it's about the management putting the right players on the ice mm -hmm. to continue to move the needle forward and i just don't think that the sabers um they they did too many uh patchworks band-aids um you can call it what you want but at some point as a as a, I think as a player like Jack, you you just get to a breaking point, and and Jack's breaking point was five years. 
Elliot, could all the poison have been avoided? Was all of this negativity and negative press avoidable for both sides? Yes, I, I do think uh, that. How, how far back do we have to go for somebody to maybe instead of turn left, turn right to fix it? You know, I, the tough thing about that is that a lot of the problems in Buffalo pre-exist Jack Eichel getting drafted there, right? Yeah. You know, so like this, like it's almost like this is a big issue and it's been a big issue and it's got a lot of attention, but it existed before Eichel was there. I mean, look, like, you know, you know what I was thinking about yesterday was, you know, two years ago before COVID hit every week I'd come on your show and you guys would be like, is Jack Eichel on your heart ballot? Is, is Jack Eichel on your heart ballot? And, you know, I've always, I've always believed that, you know, when he, okay, <clears throat> when he was drafted by the Sabres, you've got a great hockey market, which Buffalo is. Like, blue-collar U.S. city, right? Great hockey market. Owners who really believe in USA hockey. And a pillar of his generation of American hockey players. It should have worked. It was set up beautiful. Where did it go wrong? In your opinion, you, you've watched uh, you know, what's happened over the last five years here in Buffalo. Massive hockey market. I mean, when this place I, is humming, there's, yeah. there's, there's not too many better markets in the whole league. They're, they're, Where did it go wrong? They, I think Eichel said it right. They didn't win. And you have to take a certain amount of blame for that when you're the captain and you're the best player. So, like, I know... I don't check my mentions a lot, but I watched the reaction yesterday to the interview and some of the news. And there are certainly Sabres fans who say that Eichel, you know, we talked about it at times, his demeanor on the ice, especially when he was young. It's not the kind of stuff that, you know, you can, it's the kind of stuff you got to grow out of. And I mean, you guys can tell me, but people thought he did. And then he had that great year um, where, you know, you guys were asking me every week, is, is he a Hart Trophy candidate? And then it all fell apart. And let's not get the hockey player confused with the person, though, because yeah. he was a heart ballot on the ice and off the ice. He was the exact opposite. What, what do you mean? There's oh, far yeah. oh. too many people. I've and listen. I mean, maybe I'm just kind oh, of I see what you're those saying. things that uh, you know those uh, those things that you throw the little ball at and it sticks to you. Mm-hmm. Well, that was me. And there's a lot of people in this city that I know inside the organization and the way that Jack presented himself and the way that he, as you know, I'm let's put aside the captain thing. Yeah. Let's just put aside. Let's, let's talk about the person and the way that he treated people around the rink in the Mm -hmm. dressing room around the city was not a positive thing. Well, that's not good. I mean, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to hear that because I'm a person who tries. I don't to like saying it, right. but it yeah. is what it is. If we're going to sit here and talk about a heart ballot trophy player on the ice, I have said for the last number of months, Elliot, that Jack Eichel, without question, is one of the top players in the world. He, Vegas is getting, without question, the best player and has the most upside to do what he's going to do on another team. But you know, there's, there's, it's interesting when you're, you're going through this situation with Jack and the team doesn't want Jack anywhere near the dressing room. 
even though he was going through, he was injured. They don't want him anywhere near it. Yeah, it was it was interesting, Elliot. I, I, he actually he did an interview with Spit and Chicklets, uh, and yes. he he said, you know, people don't know this, but I told the Sabers that if if they let me have the next surgery, I'd come back and play. And I just and all I thought to myself was was well, this just speaks to how badly the Sabers did not want you around anymore. Yeah, you know, that, that is true. He told me that uh, off camera and uh, just in everything else we did in the interview, it just, uh, you know, that's my fault for not getting him to restate it. But he did say that to me too. And I do believe that was an option. I'd come back and play to drive up my value. You know, once you strip the captaincy of someone, it's very hard to go back. And, you know, Craig, like, you know, you, everything you say there, like, I don't like to hear that stuff. I mean, look, it's very clear that there's a lot of things that has to be fixed in Buffalo. This is bigger than, you know, one person. When, like we said, this started before Eichel got there. And it, it's, it, continued, it, it continued while he was here. And, but, the, you know, the one thing I, I look at for the Sabres is through this, um, I think Kevin Adams has a plan. You know, you you know, you know, you look. It looks like you're going to build the team around some of your young guys, like Cousins. I mean, Cousins looks like a real like uh, Cousins was at the the League and Players Association media tour, and I was so impressed. You know, the way he carried himself. You know, I, I, like this is a guy who last year in those exit interviews, which were depressing as hell. If you were a Saber fan, he stepped up and said, I- "I'm happy to be here, and I want to be here." Do you know how badly you some the Sabers needed to hear that and their fans needed to hear that? Yeah. And like I think what 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 now the difference now is like you I mean the problem is you've had young players like Eichel who talked about this before and it hasn't worked. The difference I think now is you know Adams is building a team around him um, in terms of Jason Carmanos, Sam Ventura. And, you know, the way Adams carried himself through this, look, regardless of what you think about make the trade itself, he had a process and he stuck to it. And there was a lot of heat. Think, like, yep. If you think this is playing out between the Pagulas and, uh, and Eichel in private, who do you think is bearing the brunt of that? It's Adams every day. Mm. And, um, you know, like, like to me, that is, that was like what that, when I watch Adams through this, I say he's got a chance because he strikes me as a guy who's smart enough to say, I know what I don't know. And I'm going to surround myself to fix that. So let, let, let's, let's talk he's a little not bit. Making more. decisions by himself. No, no. Kevin Adams, the, one of the, one of his strengths is uh he's 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 a very strong man um very classy guy um he knows the game of hockey he's won a stanley cup before he's been with incredible incredible teammates that are now you know general managers and and coaches in this league Mm -hmm. um but kevin is is not a know-it-all he is there to listen to others and and gather information and different opinions and then Mm -hmm. try to find the best solution 
Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it, it was interesting. I saw Kevin at the rink last night. Our, our young guys uh, play hockey in the same organization. And uh, he was uh, in one of the, the, the coaches' room, him and, uh, and another coach. And I walked in and just stuck my head in, and Kevin was there. And I looked at him with a big smile on my face. I said, good for you. Congratulations. You know, I'm, I'm sure I can't even begin to imagine how tired and, and, and stressed you've been for, for so many months with this. And he looked at me and he was like, I just want to go home and put my feet up. It's been a long, long, tough road. And yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy that it's behind us. Mm-hmm. And the future, the future's ahead of us. And I was just like, it, you. you know what, Craig, like that's what, that's what an executive said to me yesterday. He said, he said to me, regardless of what you think of the trade, the win for Buffalo is that it's over. Yeah. The money is off their books. They, they, you know, like they said, like he's traded Reinhardt. He's traded Ristolainen. He's traded Eichel. It's now it, it's that's over. Regardless yeah. of what you think about it, it's over. And he said, that is the best thing that could happen to Adams and the Sabres. And it's the cupboard over. has been stocked. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Jack Quinn, who was dra- drafted, uh, what was he, eighth overall PD a couple, uh, two years ago, um, he's now the second leading scorer in the American Hockey League and was rookie of the month. And uh, J.J. Paterka, who they traded up for, is yeah. uh, an outstanding hockey player and is playing mm-hmm. extremely well. You bring in Peyton Krebs. You bring in, you know, you got, we talked about Dylan Cousins. And you talk about, you know, players that aren't even here right now. The, the Devin Levi that was traded in the Sam Reinhart trade. Um, playing uh, D1 hockey. He's killing it, by the way. And he's playing unbelievable. And then Mm -hmm. you still have Owen Power, who's just marinating in uh, in Michigan right now and getting Mm -hmm. better. This team has done a great job. And and here's the thing. We still have Florida's first-round draft pick in 22. We still have Vegas's in 22, possibly conditional. But we have, you know, multiple first-round draft picks. This is starting over. This is the start over date. The fans Mm -hmm. here that have struggled with the identity and where this team has gone Mm -hmm. for a number of years are now actually looking at this saying, you know what? I see the light. I see the light here, here in Buffalo. And I know it's going to take a little bit of time. And we've Mm -hmm. heard that. We've heard that for years and years and years, but they see the light now. And now it's, patience and enjoyment of watching these young players that aren't in the league. Like it's, I found it amazing that we trade for uh, Peyton Krebs and they're sending him to the minors. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. Everybody thinks it's smart, but you know, the old regime probably would have had him playing. Uh, Top you know, one in, center. In, exactly. <laughs> you know, give them everything, give yeah. them everything. No, no, no. You go earn it you show show everybody that the deal worked because he's a top line center right away get him in exactly. there rush him in and show them that we we got a player that we can insert right away elliot I, we we know you're you're jam-packed for time too and there, there's a lot no, of questions no I worries. Well, okay, let's okay. go like we, let's well, take some time well here, here's here's a question i want to ask you and some clear clarification on yeah uh, calgary was there yeah. ever really a deal there with Calgary? Maybe not to the to the extent that was reported, as Kevin yeah. Adams said yesterday. But were was there a deal? Was there a deal with Calgary of some sort? I, 
Look, I think Calgary was in it all the way, but I never got the sense it was close. And I think that one of the issues, I think Calgary was willing to deal some of their top prospects. I think they were willing to deal picks and or picks. I think that Buffalo wanted one of Kachuk or Manjapani to be in the deal and Calgary just wasn't doing that. That's what I think. But I think, honestly, Andrew, and everybody I've spoken to says in the last week, it was Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Anybody else kicking tires? Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so I heard that. And, and, and so when did that come into play? And who? Late, 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 late. It was any, late. any idea of, of maybe what was being tossed around? I heard Buffalo was interested in Seth Jarvis. That was the guy they really liked. Okay. Now, I thought, and I don't know if you uh, like saw, but Eichel said yesterday there was a time he thought he was going to Minnesota, and there was a time he thought he might be going to Colorado. Wow. Wow. Um, what do you th- what's the word out of Vegas with the trade? Are, are... They're, they're thrilled. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're I mean obviously, in your they opinion, made who, the deal. Who, who, who's going to, you know, and it's hard to say because uh, only time will tell throughout this trade. It's got to play itself o- over many years. But, um, you know, with the just looking at this trade right now, what are your thoughts? Well, look, Eichel's the best player, right? Yep. And I think generally the, the, the person who wins and gets the best player, um, I just have to send a quick note here. Oh, yeah. Who are you sending it to? Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I think generally Craig um, is I, – I think generally, Craig, that if you get the best player, the chances are you're going to win the trade. And Eichel – and now we learn about the surgery and how it's going to go and everything – but you're getting a 25-year-old number one center who's signed for five years, right? That's when's when's the surgery? Five-year-old, six-foot-four, 220-pound right winger that can skate as fast as Jack Eichel, can, can shoot the puck. He's physical. Tuck is a I great think, player. I think, great I think player. I, I'm going to tell you this. Pat myself on the back, watch this. I'm going to tell you this. I think he is an absolute stud. I agree. And you know I what? Think, yeah. PD, tell him. Tell him, tell him right now. Well, I've been telling Craig for five years that four years that they they should be trading for Tuck. No way, I'm taking that. Alex Tuck should have been a, a <laughs> Buffalo Sabers three four years ago. I absolutely love this player. I think he hasn't even tapped his potential yet. I think that you you're bringing in a player that absolutely wants to be here. Like, yeah. I mean, he got traded from Vegas, one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. And, and you would think that in a trade like this, that the people that are coming to Buffalo that are, you know, their heads down, they're like, oh, man, here we go. Going to a last place team, this, that, and the other. Not this guy. Petey, tell him. You had, a, you had a talk with him, didn't you? So Alex Tuck calls me, and he, and he's, and he says, he's laughing. He's like, how did you hear about this? And I just said, look, I said, I, I, I can't tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. But, yeah, good. But he said, he, said, uh, he said, I said, listen, I said, how are you feeling about it? And he said, and, I, and he, he literally said, listen, he said, I'm going to be dead honest with you. He said, I love Vegas. I loved it here. He said, but I'm going to be a Buffalo Sabre. He said, I can't believe it. He said, any other team. 
He said, if I were traded to any other team, I could not have been happier with where I'm going. Now tell me a player that has ever said that about being traded to Buffalo in the last 10 years. So, you know, Andrew, I'm glad you brought that up because another GM told me last night, he heard me say that once Krebs was in the deal, it was going to be Vegas. And he called me while I was driving home from Buffalo. And he said, there's something else here that you should talk about. And it's in, it's going to be here. And it's in my podcast. It's coming out today with Jeff. Tuck was just as important to Buffalo. And he thinks that's why the deal was Vegas because Adams wanted to send that message. And if you heard his media conference yesterday, which I know both of you did, what did he say? We have a guy who wants to be here. I think that was very, very important. I think, I think when you look at this and you look at what Kevin Adams is trying to do here and mm-hmm. you're, and you talked about, you know, I like, I like a lot of the things that have been done and this and that, the subtraction and, and the additions, every Buddy that is putting on the jersey wants to be in Buffalo. They want to wear the Sabres jersey. I think it's the most important thing yes. that you can do to build a team, build an environment. Um, and I, I think it's extremely important. You know, I talked to I talked to a friend that uh that knows Kyle Posto very well. I know Kyle. Um, and, and they were on the road and Kyle's like, wow, this team is, this team is awesome. This is a good group of guys. You know, I, I had sent, I had sent a message out just the other day, you know, to ask if the guys wanted to go to a Lakers game. And normally when you send something like that out and it happens every year, it happens every year. Um, you know, a veteran guy would send something out, Hey, uh, who wants to go here? And what happens? How many guys would go Petey? Maybe five. Five or six, exactly. Five or six guys. Twenty guys went to the game. It means they all want to be around each other. They Mm -hmm. all want to be around each other. They're all excited and they all want to be with each other. And this is so important. Well, let's remember, Tuck's not coming to an area where he he doesn't know anybody. I think he knows Bjork from the the NTDP. He knows Miller from Vegas. He played for Granado. You know, Elliot, I'll make a bold prediction right now, and I, I, and then you know, I, I think Alex Tuck will be, could be completely wrong because you have some other good young players that are developing into some good character players. But I think Tuck will be the next captain of the Sabers, not this year, but probably next year. I, think I could so. see that. Like, I, I mean, do you know how many people he had at, at, when Vegas came to Buffalo for the first time, and Alex Tuck played his first NHL game in Buffalo? You know how many people were there? How they many? had, they had. They, I don't know, 300, 300 people. And he had a party afterward that he couldn't even be at that he had for everybody to come and socialize because he had to get on the plane and leave all of his family, all of his friends, like two, 300 people from Syracuse were at uh, Pearl street pub uh, right across from the, from the rink there. So, I mean, that, you know what, that's a great story. It's a great story. Like, and you need those stories right now. You really do. Yeah, no, it's true. I think this is, I mean, we talk about, you know, Peyton Krebs is, is going to be, um, you know, a very exciting, young, dynamic prospect to watch and, and and see how he develops moving forward. The first round draft pick is going to be, you know, they're, they're all crapshoots, right? But there's that ability to, there's that ability to, to, to pick someone special 
that that can help this team moving forward. But I'm going to tell you right now, to me, and I and believe me, I think Peyton Krebs is is absolutely a, a massive get. He's the number one prospect for the Vegas Golden Knights. He's a centerman. He is insanely talented. But I'm going to tell you this. Alex Tuck, to me, was a major, major get. A Western New York kid, a top-line yes, right winger. I agree with that. I think that he has endless possibilities. You're adding someone who wants to be here. You're adding a veteran player that's been in the league for three, four, five years. And that is extremely important. Alex Tuck right now is at that ripe age of 25. He's still yeah. young. He has got a lot of years to continue to grow with this hockey team. Elliot, I almost went after your boy Kipper yesterday. I was on with him and Bourne, and uh, he said Tuck's a second, third liner at best, but they had Andrew Chuck coming up, so I didn't want to rob all their airtime arguing with him. What did he just say? Yeah, I know. You can text him him about that. You know, Elliot can get you on his show and go argue with him. But you know what, Elliot? I think we've we've really had a long talk here about the the Sabres trade, and that's kind of been brewing for months. Yeah. Did you need a COVID test to get across the border? How was it? Did they did they give you the gears? Did you tell them you were coming to interview Eichel? You know, I, so I'll tell you. So when I was driving on the U, to the U.S., I did not need a COVID test to go into the states. I'm double vaccinated, but I didn't need a COVID test. But they um, the the person at the border kind of misunderstood what I meant to say, so they made me go into the room. And they, they thought I was going for a job interview. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do an interview. And they go, who are you here to interview? And I go, Jack Eichel. And they immediately perked up. Like, they were interested. So this is Wednesday night before the trade was announced. Like, where is he going? So I think he's going to Vegas. They're asking me questions. They were great. And then on the way home, like, after I did the interview and filed the written story and stuff, um, you know, basically my wife and, and one of my coworkers said, you are not allowed to go back until you go to Trader Joe's. Like, don't come back unless you've gone to Trader Joe's. So I spent an hour and a half at Trader Joe's getting stuff for everything. And I'm coming back across the border and the border guard was hilarious. He's like, did you, did you, uh, you were here for the Eichel trade? I go, yeah. He goes, did you, did you buy anything? And I go, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And I was a little bit worried because you know, like you're supposed to go for business, right? So I'm like, okay. Um, I'm How many packs of smokes did you have, Elliot? I didn't. Know. I, didn't. I, I go. I go. I better not lie because if he asks me to open the trunk and he sees two bags of Trader Joe's there, I'm in real trouble. So I said, I said, I, I went to Trader Joe's, but it's under the daily limit. I, you know, I, I didn't go over the limit. And he goes, he goes, ah, picking up, uh, picking up some stuff you can't get in Canada. Eh? And I go, yeah, it was, it was really fun. <laughs> Well, we appreciate your time today on short notice. We know you've no been problem. crazy busy. We know you've been no crazy problem, busy. And, and, Big uh, scoop, scoop of the year, Andrew. Scoop of the year. And I told you last night on the phone when you called. Don't, I, say, don't, don't even go there. Why? Don't is even, that embarrassing to hear? I just think, no, it's like you got it. Like take the credit. You got it. I, yeah, but I, what you don't know, Elliot, is that – and Craig can attest to this, and he'll be – he's going to be a full-blown I think he's Richard. been gloating. He's been gloating for <laughs> literally two days. I can't get the smile off his face. Every time he always trumps me and says, Rips, I broke the biggest. Story. Oh my God, Elliot. And that's what he say this, starts though. with. And then I just sit back. I'm like, here we go. Elliot, I will say this. Okay. And I'll end with this. My father called me last night. He is our biggest fan. He and my mom. Okay? They, they be, love yes. Craig. They love yeah. Craig. That's the thing. 
to like Andrew, you don't shut up. Craig is phenomenal. He's the entertainer, right? So, yes. so my dad calls me right away last night because I, I, I said, I said, go listen to go listen to the show today. And my dad cook. I, and I even tweeted out, I said I was extremely very, very cocky in today's episode. And my dad calls me and he goes, Man, you sounded like an arrogant prick. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Thanks, Dad. That was the whole point. Love you. And we love you, Elliot. Thanks for the time, man. Fantastic yeah. as always. Thank you, Elliot. We appreciate guys, my, the last my second. Pleasure, guys. As we my know pleasure, you're guys. you're the yes. man. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.